Welcome to the All Around Joe Podcast. We optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All Around Joe Podcast, I am talking with Jonathan Levitt of Inside Tracker. Jonathan is just an all-around good dude, and in this podcast, we get to talking about how he's gotten into running marathons, ultra marathons, how you could do that as well, some strategies for hanging out with super cool people in your area. If you hang out with cool people, then you're much more likely to do what they do. Uh, Jonathan also works for Inside Tracker, which is a very cool blood testing company, and we talk about that a little bit. We also talk about Jonathan's podcast for the long run, which I recommend that y'all check out, and we get into what it's all about and who he interviews and all that fun stuff on the show today. And we just talk about you know how you guys can get better and be all around the best version of yourself. So this is a really fun podcast for me because Jonathan's a cool guy and really fun to talk to about all kinds of stuff, fitness, running, technology. We get into it all on this one. This podcast is brought to you by the Get Better Project, which is your high-end solution for at-home workouts, whether it be full gym equipment that you have in your garage or you're just going to do something at the foot of your bed in your bedroom. We've got you covered and everything in between. So the Get Better Project was put together because I wanted to be able to help people do what I do. It's the workouts that I am actually doing because every single time that I've had a peer group around me that's around me a lot, they've taken on the habits and they've started getting themselves in amazing shape. So that's what I've created the Get Better Project to help you with on what you're working on. Okay, so it could be that you just want to build more confidence. It could be that you want to see those abs for the beach this summer. It could be that you want to get better at CrossFit. We cover all of those bases. We make you a more awesome human being in this program. And if that's something that is interesting you interesting to you, head over to the getbetterproject.com and click on programs. We've got a full nutrition included version and just a workout version. So check those out. Um, it's what I'm passionate about. So let me help you help yourself, all that fun stuff. All right, let's get into this fun interview with Jonathan Levitt of Inside Tracker. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Jonathan, how are you doing today, man? I am good. How are you? I am awesome. Hanging out here in the van studio in Arizona. Where nice. Are you, I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah. How's in the weather a, up there? It's, uh, it's finally starting to feel like spring. It's uh, it's 35 degrees out this morning, and it should be 50 by the end of the day. So it's, it, we're getting there, almost out of the weeds. Yeah, when I heard spring, I was like, all right, maybe we'll hit the 60s. Maybe no. 70s. No, not nope. quite. No. Uh, no, but 50, 50 feels like uh, 75, so it's uh, it's not bad. Totally, and it's probably great running weather. Yeah, it's it's the best time of year for that. Cool. Is there still snow on the ground? Uh, it mostly melted this past weekend. It got up to 60, so uh, it's okay. pretty much gone. Okay, cool. So I've talked with you a lot, but I'm not sure that everyone at All Around Joe here has heard your story. So I'd love to actually jump in. I'm, actually, I don't know if I've heard your full story <laughs> either. So here's here's for learning more about friends. Sure. Um, take us back. How did you know little Jonathan grow up? How did you get to where you are? And were there any influential figures along the way? that let's say took you to where you are business-wise or running-wise or any coaching-wise, any of those things that stand out for you? 
Yeah, so that's a pretty loaded question. Um, so I'll <laughs> I'll start and I may ask for the question again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I grew up playing baseball and hockey. I was pretty average at hockey and maybe a little bit above average at at baseball. Um, hated running. Didn't enjoy, wasn't really good at sports. Um, and uh, and and somewhere along the way, I I went for a run. Um, I don't know, maybe senior year in college and uh i was like this is fun uh at the time it was like really only to like lose the beer gut and uh and run off the hangover um but i but i started enjoying it so fast forward i don't know two years and um it was uh april 2013 and i was at the boston marathon and it was i was at the halfway point so i was in wellesley and I was looking at all these people, different shapes and sizes and speeds and skills. And I was like, look, if all these people can do it, it like I can do it. Like I'm fairly athletic. Why why not? So it was on that day that I decided I would run a marathon. Um and I ran my first uh thirteen months later. Um so that was fun and I was hooked immediately. And, uh, the rest is history. No, it's, um, it, it, it's been, it's been fun, uh, sort of diving further down that rabbit hole. And we've talked a lot about ultra running and sort of the psyche of, you know, what you think about when you're off to run 25 miles, 50 miles, a hundred miles, and the kind of person and the kind of mental space you need to be in to, to do these things. And, what I love about it is, is the, you know, like anything is possible approach or, or the lessons that you learn through sport translate into life. Like you can do hard things. You can persevere. You can have difficult conversations. You can, um, you can do all these things that like, that are uncomfortable, um, that you learn through, through sport. Absolutely. So were you, did you have friends that were running marathons when you did this first marathon or, and how was that experience? Yeah. So, um, in July of 2013, I started doing something called November project, which is a grassroots fitness movement. It started here in Boston in 2011. So it was about two years in at the time. And so like most of my friends were running marathons and not only like running marathons, like running fast marathons. And it's like, I ran a 335 as my first marathon. I was like, well, shit, that was slow. And, 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 and my friends were like, uh, you're surrounded by freaks. Like you just have to remember that. Um, and so it was, it was the kind of environment where someone was always doing more with less. Like they had two kids or they had, you know, a job that demanded 80 hours a week of them or they're, you know, running, a you know, 120 half or, you know, a sub three marathon or something. It's just like more. There was always more that could be done. There are always more workouts to do and stuff like that. And so like I fell into that rabbit hole of like more, 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 more. And I kept getting injured and I was just trying to do everything. And, um, and so you, you asked about mentors or role models or coaches. Um, I, I got connected with a coach who was like, look, I can fix this injury problem that you keep having. Like you just can't do everything all the time. And, um, 
so I worked with that coach for four years. He took me through my first five marathons, um, and, uh, and, and really helped me develop my, my love of running. His name is Steven Stam. He's a, um, track and cross country coach in Florida. And, uh, he was definitely paramount in, in enjoying my love of, or, or, or nurturing that love of running. Nice. Let's talk some highlights. What is, what's your highlight reel? At this my point? highlight reel. I ran, I ran a 5k in, what was it? I think it was 2014. That was like one of those days where everything clicked, like start to finish. Like you wake up, you're like, hell yeah, today is going to be a good day. Um, it was um, a race that Shalane Flanagan was hosting up here in Boston. And so like she was at the race and we had just got her to go to November Project the day before. And I had, I don't know, like 35, 40 friends that showed up to this race to race it. And I get to the start line and, and two of my friends look over at me. Um, they were two of the, the leaders at the time for November Project Boston. And they, they look at me. One of them is a, like, I don't know, like a 230 marathon or the other is like well under sub three. And they're like, I don't know, 15 or 16 minute 5K guys. And my goal on that day was sub 18. And they look at me and they say, you're going to PR today. This was the race that I was, that I was um, targeting for, for that year, basically. And they're like, you're going to PR today. Just follow us. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and, and I had that, like, everything feels awesome the whole way, uh, despite, you know, how painful 5Ks are. And I didn't look at my watch once, and I PR'd by, I think it was, like, 20 seconds on that day and and ran 1742 so like well under 18 um i haven't run a 5k like that since i that's still my it's still my pr and it's still like the best day um one of the best days of running i've had you ask about the, the the highlight reel um the 50k i ran in in tahoe uh this past fall was like that day i'll remember for the rest of my life um, I was supposed to run North Face, California, which is a 50K, 50-miler, 50 marathon, et cetera, um, in the Marin Headlands in, in the Bay. And it was canceled due to the fires in uh, Northern California. And so a friend earlier in the week sort of made a joke like, hey, you want to come out to Tahoe and I'll show you some cool trails and you can run your 50K? Um, and I've been training with a friend who was uh, a friend named Jenny who was training for her first marathon and we were like devastated that that our races were canceled um so we went out to tahoe and we put out some tweets and some instagrams and uh 50 people showed up and and we raised twenty thousand dollars for fire relief and it was just a day like playing in the woods with friends um so that that's very high on my highlight reel list that is so cool how many marathons have you run at this point I've done five, and I just signed up for my sixth. Ooh, what is it? Uh, May Cinco de Mayo, actually. Oh, when, where? <laughs> uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, okay, that's fun. Yeah. Do you, is there anybody in your family that's into running? My dad has gotten into running. Um, he's he's a lifelong cyclist, and uh, he travels a fair amount. Not a fair amount. He travels for work, and it's just so much easier to to run than bike when you're traveling. Um, and 
he yeah he's picked it up over the last couple of years and it's been super cool to see um him do his first half marathon and and set his sights bigger and and higher uh as time goes on cool let's talk a little bit about that mental psyche that you brought up earlier what that you go through during these well i guess we could talk about whether or not you go through them in certain distance runs but at what distance do you think that you start to go into those places where you're like man i can do anything or you know i'm working through some really really tough things and i'm just going to keep on moving through them um so let's like what are those stages when do they start how do you go through them so i think that it, that you can hit that at any distance like i've never raced an 800 800 meter and i've heard that like you see God when you race those things. And, and I mean, my only experience is like, uh, at that, at that low end is, is the 5k and you can, you can hurt a lot and choose to continue. Um, you know, mile two, mile three, it's just so painful, but you can, you can choose that pain and you can choose to push forward. Um, the marathon is a is an interesting beast because it's it's still um it's still fast and it's it's fairly monotonous compared to trail running but it's i i used to think it was super physical but now i think it's just entirely mental um to be able to just keep churning your legs at the same pace for 3 plus hours um I've had I've I've had some like not good marathons where I had the fitness and it was just like mile 18 that's it and when you hit that pivot point it's am I going to continue now that it's hurting a lot or am I going to sort of mail it in and I've had races where where I've chosen more comfort I've walked I've done that kind of stuff and then I've had races where like it was literally not an option and like you run faster than a 10 minute mile pace, you're, I'm falling on the ground. Not joking. That happened in, in Boston 2017. And that was like the best, the best thing that's ever happened. It was the most pain I've ever been in in my life. Like my calf was seizing. And, and when I say faster than 10 minute mile, I'm on the ground that happened like four or five times. And so I, I crossed that finish line and I cried out of both pain and pride because it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I ran an hour over goal time. And after doing that, I knew that I could do anything. And, and the mind is just such a, like it would have been easy to walk off the course when I saw my friends at mile 24 or when I saw my friends at mile 18, or when I saw my parents at, at mile 13. Um, for whatever reason, I just, it was, it was not my day. And it was, it was, you know, tough the whole, the whole way through. Um, but when you choose to continue, and then you, you achieve that, no matter what the time is, that's a, that's a huge win. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. I had a 50 miler in uh, New York actually for the, one of the North Face races where my hip flexor like stopped working, <laughs> and I had to. I literally I tried all these different things, and the PTs couldn't help me. So I started. I was like, let me look. Think of like you know reciprocal inhibition. So like how one side of your your body contracts, the other side relaxes. So I, 
started doing lunges and that worked. <laughs> so I'm doing a 50-mile race lunging every mile or so. Oh, my God. To loosen up. And I had gone into the race trying to get thinking I was going to try and be top five. And at that point, it completely blew up. And like you said, I was like, you know, two hours or something behind my goal. Yeah. But you looking back now, that's the race I think of when I'm like, man, I could do Struggle, it. Yeah. You know, I, I came through this and it's, it's, it's and that's amazing. a hell of a race to begin with. First of all. <laughs> yeah. That, that was where I cut my teeth actually a trail race. And it was yeah. like the bear mountain. Yeah. I think. And then I moved up half. 50k 50 miler so yep. i love the race it's a great race yeah it's fun but yeah i mean do you think that you would have continued down this path if you were not with the november project i don't think it would have been as fast and i don't meaning like accelerated yeah um i've done so racing with November Project friends. I've done. I've I've set goals with friends. I've I've chosen to do things that I that scared me that I probably wouldn't have chosen without a little bit of peer pressure. Um, and and yeah, I I I mean there are plenty of people that have big goals without November Project, but that's what um, that's what facilitated my love of running and my love of the running community, um, starting here in Boston and then definitely all over. So is the is the November project all over? Um, and like, could somebody get involved with that anywhere? Is it just in Boston, or are there other pl- things like that around? The country? Yeah, so there are forty nine cities. I think it's in seven countries at this point. Uh, it's mostly North America. There's some in Europe, some in Asia. Um, pretty much all major cities in the U.S. at this point, or most uh, on the east and west coast, and some uh, in the middle of the country have it but yeah just check out their website november-project.com uh to find a find a tribe near you as they say yeah how and forgive me but how would you explain what the november project is so it's a bunch of people that that enjoy uh the social benefits of running so like people who who enjoy competition or people who enjoy um, basically it's, it's a group of people that show up at six 30 in the morning, ready to hug, ready to sweat and ready to work hard. So it takes a, it takes a certain kind of person to, uh, be ready to socialize at six 30 in the morning. Um, and then also be ready to like work really fucking hard at six 30 in the morning. Um, and then be done by seven 15. Like the hardest thing you'll do all day is done at seven 15. Um, and so it's it's super cool. It's 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 free. Um, I travel a lot for work, so I get to go to it in other cities, and it's fun to meet people and run with people. You know, in San Francisco, in Austin, Texas, in L.A., in you know Minneapolis, all these places uh, across the country. That's awesome, and I, I think that one of the f- biggest things that people could do if they want to get into running or CrossFit or whatever it may be is find a group of people like that, that are Definitely. doing these things and that are positive and whatnot. And you'll transform your life or, or business even like, if you, right. want to, you know, a, a real estate investor, go hang out with a bunch of successful real estate. Investors. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are you, what are you into right now? What are your goals? Are you so, um, short term is, 
or short term is um is the marathon in may um i want to run something longer in the fall um i would like to run a 50k or 50 miler at north face california um and i hope i get to talk to him before this but uh i haven't told my coach yet about the grand canyon adventure i'm <laughs> thinking about um so you've you've interviewed david he's he's my coach david roach um a couple of my friends are uh thinking about or are planning a rim to rim uh possible rim to rim to rim uh adventure in october so it could line up nicely with uh with something longer at north face um so those are like the 2019 goals long term just continue to enjoy the process and and you know motivate and help other people to to do the same and um grow my own podcast and grow grow that audience um so that you know I can share super cool conversations with uh with really cool people. Yeah, so you brought it up. Let's talk about for the long run and what that is. Yeah. So um as I mentioned, I get to travel a lot for work and much of much of that travel is going to uh a race or or a town with a lot of athletes that we work with at Inside Tracker. Um and so I get to, you know, go to coffee or go to lunch or dinner with these super awesome athletes. And I like the one that I remember most vividly is is I had just run the Manitou Incline with uh Zach Miller in Colorado Springs. And then we went and got uh, we went and got dinner, and I asked him a question about like, why do you do this? And and he he answered in like a twenty minute answer, like he just kept talking, and it was like, like I was just like, yep, 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 more, 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 more. This is incredible. Like, and I was like, I need to share these conversations. Like, it it was that one that that really kicked it off. That I was like, I am so privileged to to be able to do this, and I should share it. Um, so the goal of for the long run is uh, to explore the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated, and and share their process, share their journey with um, people who want to hear it. And so, it's I don't want to say it's mostly elites and pros. It's it's not. Um, I have a handful of you know local friends that are that are on. Some of them are are high end athletes. Some of them aren't. Um, I'm. I seem to have a lot of sports psychologists that are interested in uh, in this um, and interested in in doing interviews. So I've done three of those so far, um, and they're basically like just therapy sessions. <laughs> like I have one with a sports psychology consultant. She was like, "You realize you just got a free hour consult here?" And I was like, "Yeah, thanks. Let's talk again next month." Yeah. Uh, so it's like it's like stuff like that. That's just like super awesome conversations with people that people are enjoying. And it's like, it's blowing my mind that 600 people are listening per episode. And it's like, who are all these people that are listening? But cool. Like it's it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, Well, dude, I think I know why and you know, where they're coming from is because your social media is awesome. Like you crush your social (laughs) media, social media. Um, So before you know, I continue to tell you how awesome it is. How can people find you on social media? Let's just plug it right now. Yeah, so I'm JW Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T on uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Okay. And, so and guys, thank you, by the way. Yeah, like I was thinking about 
you know, how people, and I'm into social media. Like I love it. I try and study it and whatnot. And I think Jonathan might have maybe like a team behind him or like <laughs> he might be an identical triplet or something because of the <laughs> amount that he's on social media um, and has, you know, a successful life and runs marathons and ultra marathons. So um, anyway, I would recommend that you follow him for sure. Uh, whether or not you like to, you know, run or eat tacos or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my um my my Instagram bio is is basically mostly photos of of running, tacos or food and dogs. So that's a pretty uh <laughs> pretty good recap there. I mean, I've I've been following it for a while. It's it's, it's my I, I when I go to Twitter actually, I'm like, "Man, I need to do more Twitter." And I go there and I see that you've posted like 30 times in the last, you know, week, you know, <laughs> so maybe not that much, but I th- like there are scheduling apps that like, instead of, instead of just like dumping every time you have a thought, like just loading it into there. And so like, I try and try and plan around things like that. So it's less of a burden and, and more of a, like making the tool work for you. For sure. Which one do you use? I use buffer. Okay. Me too. That's what I'm using. Very cool. So what, what is your goal for, for the long run? My goal for the long run about the podcast or like literally for the long run? Let's talk the podcast. <laughs> no, the goal, the goal for the podcast, I have a list of like 75 people that, that I want to interview. Um, just get through that. And, and like every time I go on a trip, I want to interview a half dozen people. Uh, I'm going out to Boulder for a week in May and like I could stay in Boulder for a month or like forever and <laughs> not run out of people to cool people to talk with. Um, so really the, the goal for that is just continue to, to have really awesome people on the podcast and, and do it all in person. Um, I've done 13 so far and 12 of them have been um, in person. And I think there's a rapport that you have in person and, and also sort of like on, on a video call like this. Uh, but you just can't be talking to someone in person and, and uh, you know, the rapport that you can, you can build around that. So I just want to reach as many people as possible with, with that podcast, maybe do some live shows, um, you know, something like that. I, I consider doing something like that around Boston, the Boston marathon. Um, I'm not this year, maybe in the future, but um yeah it's just i'm just having a blast with it and people are enjoying it so just keep it rolling yeah that's that's cool that or what you said about you know the connection that you can make in person i've totally found that i want to do more of those in person myself because it, it is like you know i know you so we've had a we've actually right. met in person and we have a connection and i feel like that's easier to to rekindle that as we're doing right. video but if i if we'd never met before right it is a little bit different. Yeah, there's, for there's, sure. You can't feel the person's energy quite the same. Um, so I'm with you. I think that's really cool. Uh, let's see. What what are your what are you thinking as far as um, future five, ten year goals for longevity of running? So David's approach to training is. Can we stop there really quick and, yeah. and give David a little bit more of an intro? Because yeah, man, yes, David is the man. David Roche uh, and his wife Megan Roche are 
the founders of Swap Running. So some work, all play. Is there a coaching group? They coach some of the best uh, trail and ultra runners, road racers uh, in in the country and and many internationally as well. Um, they wrote a book called Happy Runner. It's all about living like puppies and unicorns and why it's okay to not feel like that sometimes. Uh, just it, their their approach is um, running can be a part of life. I feel like they're life coaches that specialize in in running. Um, and, uh, I started working with David in July and it's really been a transformation of like how I approach running. It's not, I'm not glued to my watch nailing splits. I'm focused on effort and he doesn't really care about splits. Um, I mean, he does, but not, not in the way that, that I've cared about them in the past. He'd rather have your easy runs, stay the same effort, but get faster. Um, so with him, it's all about the, the long term and it's all about uh, developing a good relationship with running and, and allowing that to play a role in your life, but not dominate your life. Uh, that's a place that I've had issues with in the past, it's sort of like having it all can be all consuming. Um, and the goal is to, to do it for a long time i i was going to tweet about it i forgot to but like i see these um i see these two women uh running every single day in boston or cambridge and they're i don't know 70 years old and they they wear the same outfit they're two older asian ladies and they're always smiling and like i want that i want i want to be them in 50 years 40 years 80 years who cares? Um, they they just they do it in the rain. They do it in the snow. They run in in hurricane. They probably don't run in hurricanes, but they run <laughs> they run in in all these conditions, and they always have a smile and they always say hello. I want I want to do that, and I want to do that for a long time. And and the approach. So so that's my long term goal. Very cool. And and, and to BQ at eighty years old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I think you nailed something about like having fun and smiling at people and whatnot. Do you have like, when you go into a run, do you do that? I mean, cause I've noticed that they're one of the things that I love about trail running is that like I'm high fiving people yeah. as I'm going by. And when I was road running, it was a little bit different, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So Boston is a bit of a unique town in that like most people are super, most runners are super friendly. Most Bostonians are not. Um, most, most, bo- most runners in Boston will say hello. They'll wave, they'll give you the head nod. And half of them are wearing Boston marathon gear. So like, it's just cool knowing that like you go for a long run on, uh, on the marathon course and, and half the people are you know, wearing a shirt from 2015 or 2016 or whatever. So like you knew, you know what they've been through and you know, the, the, the day that they had from a weather perspective, from heat, you know, whatever. So it's, it's that like instant connection that, that you guys can have. Um, so yeah, I say hello to everyone. Um, and it's super cool, but there's nothing like the trail community when it comes to community and and saying hi or waving or asking how the run's going or petting the person's dog or something like that um so yeah you can't can't beat that yeah very cool let's talk 
Talk nutrition. What are your thoughts yeah. on nutrition? My thoughts on nutrition, um, they've changed over the last few years. I've been much looser with my diet in the last, I don't know, year-ish. And I feel the best. I'm running the best. I'm the least injured. And I'm actually the leanest that I've, that I've been. Um, go figure. Yeah. And I'm, I used to be like super strict with my own diet. Um, and part of that came from like, I wasn't eating any gluten. Part of that came from my mom and sister having celiac. And so I wasn't eating it when I was living at home. And then it just like became something that I did. And so I've added bread back. In. I don't have celiac, so I, I can do that. I've added bread back in. I've added, you know, a whole lot of, of stuff back in, but like, I've also added like desserts and, pies and cookies and you know all this <laughs> stuff that like people restrict and and I I know that I am nailing what I need to do so I'm doing the 80% through you know validated through insight tracker we can get to that um and the 20% is is fun and it's much easier to do it that way than like trying to aim for 99 or 100% and and feeling bad about when you stray from that. Um, so my, my, if you had to like put a label on my diet, I'd say it's like Mediterranean ish, um, with room for whatever the hell I want. Okay. <laughs> and lots of tacos. <laughs> lots of tacos. Um, do you know like what you're trying to hit as far as um, calories and macros pretty much, pretty like much from a caloric standpoint. That's the only thing that, that I try and hit. Um, I don't have a certain number. I just know I need to eat a lot. Um, I was, I was You're one of those guys, huh? Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was going through the uh, my blood work from Inside Tracker with one of our dietitians, and she was like, "You're not eating enough." Um, so she had me use my Fitness Pal for like three days to to see what I was what I was eating, and I was like under by over 500 calories. And so part of the, like the repetitive injuries that I kept having were from, uh, energy deficit and I was exhausted. And, um, so I added, you know, 500 to 750 calories on a daily basis, which is fun and it's a lot. Um, but I have more energy. I've, I recover faster and, I feel better as a result of that, but it's like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of eating. Um, and so it's a thing like that I have to be mindful of. Like I always have a snack. Like here's my cup of oatmeal with, with um, chocolate and peanut butter. So, <laughs> so it's like, um, yeah, I'm intentional with it, but there's also room for, for uh, play or a glass of wine or three or um, a cookie or whatever. Cool. And I want to talk about Inside Tracker, but before we get to that, what is your race day food philosophy? Meaning leading up to it or the, the race itself? Uh, the day of. Okay. So in the morning, I'll have uh, a bowl of picky oats. So it's uh, picky bars is the company um, and they have an oatmeal, like a single serving oatmeal and they have like fruits and seeds and stuff like that in it um and then i'll either have a like half serving of whey protein or an egg or two just because like i get really hungry and i feel like the protein helps um 
and I've had some of my best runs and best long runs and uh, with that routine. So I feel like it works. Um, and then like leading up to the race, 20 minutes before I'll have a, a Stroop waffle. And uh, then depending on the distance of the race, I'll have gel, like lots of gels. Okay. What kind of gels do you like? Uh, I like uh, the Goo, Goo Energy Labs uh, gels. Okay. Interesting. And do you have any kind of timing philosophy for nutrition while you're racing? Yeah. So I'll start, I'll take my first at 45 minutes in and then every 30 minutes or so, uh, I'll have another one. Okay. And is that for short and long distances or does it change as you get longer? So that's for anything above two hours. Okay. So for, for less than two hours, I'll, I'll have a gel like in the middle if it's longer than 90 minutes. Okay. And so as it gets longer, your body is, I've just had issues with continuing gels. So you can yep. do gels continuous. So the longest I've, I've run was seven hours and I had, I think 12 gels. And what I did was I started with one flavor and when I got sick of that flavor, I switched. So I started with, um, I started with savory and I switched to sweet. So I, I was having like chocolate and, and chocolate outrage and espresso and this and that. And I was like, don't put another chocolate flavored <laughs> thing in my, in my stomach. Um, so then I had like the berry and the salted watermelon and, and, um, things like that. And, um, what I, what, what I did also was, um, I was eating a lot of chips and drinking Coke okay. and it's just like, I don't drink soda and drinking soda in, in that arena is like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've, <laughs> I've ever tasted. <laughs> like I had, I, I, like I had a, um, like an eight ounce, one of those like super tiny eight ounce, uh, Coke bottles. So it's like super crisp. And, um, I, I put one down and I was like, Oh my God, that was, <laughs> that was incredible. And that was like uh, five hours in. Okay. Interesting. I have this weird thing where at about, let's say 30 miles or so. So probably around a similar time. Um, I crave oranges like every single time I can't get, it's like, <laughs> right. Oranges. Where are they? And yeah. I need oranges. Huh. <laughs> it's interesting. But, uh, Man, I, yeah, I couldn't do that many gels. That would definitely wreck my stomach. I find that like I could do them early on and then I had to have something solid. Like I'd, I'd actually pack a sandwich sometimes. <laughs> <back. laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, it's all about what, what works for you. I, I haven't, um, I'm sure at some point I'll have that fatigue, the gel fatigue, but to this point I, I haven't, um, I haven't hit that like, okay, this is making me nauseous, uh, point. So we talked about race day. Do you have anything that changes prior to the race? I mean, everybody had like these, you know, pasta feeds and things like that that we've heard of people doing carb loading and all yep. that stuff. Did you have anything? Does anything change for you leading up to the race? Yeah, I mean, I'll have a bit more uh, in terms of carbohydrates, um, like an extra piece of bread or a cup, you know, an extra an apple or banana or whatever. Um, the way that tapering works is if you're reducing your your training volume, but not reducing your, your, uh, nutrition, it's effectively carbo loading. So you don't need to change anything from the nutrition standpoint, but by doing less, uh, from, from a vol a run volume standpoint, you're effectively 
carbo-loading. Um, so I, I use that to my advantage and also, you know, have a little bit more bread or pasta or, or quinoa or um, sweet potatoes or, you know, something like that uh, just to top, top things off. Cool. All right, so let's talk about Inside Tracker and how what that is first off. Um, if people don't know what it is on this podcast, then I don't know. Where <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about what it is uh, and then how you're using it and what you do for them and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so Inside Tracker is a blood analytics platform that provides personalized guidance on nutrition and supplementation. So every body is so unique and we process... Uh, nutrients and nutrition differently so you and i can eat the same thing and and train the same way and our blood values would look totally different so what what we do is we evaluate food frequency exercise and lifestyle and supplementation and then provide you with very specific and tangible like do this eat this food x number of times a week take this supplement in this dosage etc in order to boost energy or improve sleep or improve overall health. Um, And it's very dependent on the specific individual. So the way that I use it for my own training is, like I said, I've become, I don't want to say lax, but looser, more loose with, with what I'm eating. But I know what I need to do every day and I know what I need to do every week. So I know I need to eat oatmeal every, every day. And I know that I need to eat fish two or three times a week and I need to eat red meat once or twice a week and, and take a vitamin D supplement and take a magnesium supplement. Um, most people stop at like three or four things, but I've now been doing this for four years. So I can like, I've, I've, I've been doing the basics and like now I'll like add in five or six things that I need to do on a consistent basis. Um, so I test I don't know, quarterly, just to make sure that, that things are continuing to improve and, and that nothing has deviated too far from uh, baseline or, or the last test. And so that's a, that's a big reason that, that people who aren't doing it for athletic reasons come to us. They want to establish this. Um, Mark Cuban talked about it a couple of years back, and he was saying, if you have the means to do so, you should blood test quarterly so that you get this baseline on yourself so that if you're sick, you know what your normal looks like. And so that you can stay on top of like, you may be normally in the 80 to 100 range, just using completely arbitrary numbers, 80 to 100. And, and you may have, have test values that are 83 and 87 and 92 and 81. But if, but if you get a 60, you know that there's something going on there. But 60 might be in the normal range. But, but you know that if it's dropped or or increased by something meaningful, um, that's something to to pay attention to. And so, the way that that people are using it is not only for the health, not only for the performance, but also the health and and longevity. And that was really the the main goal of the company, not to you know help elite athletes squeeze out an extra one percent, but to help delay the onset of of aging related disease through a personalized approach to diet and supplementation. And so to answer your, your question, what do I do for the company? Um, pretty much everything in the endurance space is, is my terrain. Um, and then working with, with customers that have questions or, or things like that. Um, 
but I work with a lot of coaches and athletes and podcasts and, and teams, uh, both in endurance and the professional sports world, um, as a way to implement the recommendations and, and help understand, you know, what's going on in internally. Very cool. Yeah. And guys listening, if you didn't know this, I'm a big fan of inside tracker. So I highly recommend that we all are, you know, utilizing that service and, it's been game changer for me. I mean, something that Jonathan said earlier for, for me, when I did it, I started having to eat more, more carbs and more food essentially as well. And it was amazing how actually I leaned up a lot. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. We see that. Really a ton. Weird. Yeah. We see that a ton within CrossFit that, that people are just not interested in carbs. And the most common change that we see for CrossFitters is, is eating more carbs and getting uh, not only an increase in performance, but an increase in recovery and uh, increase in body composition or a, or a uh, improvement in body composition. Yeah. Because you're giving the body what it needs and what it craves. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, because I, I talk to so many people that don't, you know, don't know what they're, why they're eating what they're eating. So it's so important, I think, to know what your blood right. markers are and actually, you know, put some stuff in your body that's going to support that. Definitely. Um, let's geek out. Have you done any tests before and after these longer races? And if so, what happened? Yeah. So I've done a handful of tests around uh, marathons and I also tested after the 50 K. So two or three days post event. So the, the muscle damage values peak within 48 to 72 hours. So you want to catch it in that uptick. Um, Around the 2017 Boston Marathon, I tested probably four times and uh, both in peak training and um, right after the race. And then after that, shortly after that, because the values were so bad. So um, Boston 2017 was a very hot day, um, but that's not why I had a bad day, I think. Um, it was a, it played a part and basically I spent the whole three days prior walking up and down Newberry street and meeting people. And I spent the whole day on my feet. So I tested post race and my testosterone dropped 700, almost 700 points just for, for context. Like most people don't have 700 points to lose when it comes to (laughs) testosterone. So, um, the, the drop was massive. I've, I've, I've only seen like a 300 point drop post marathon, uh, prior. Uh, so this was double that. And basically what I learned was like, I I was considering running another spring race. I was like, Oh, I ran an hour over goal time. It wasn't that punishing. Like I can gear up and do it again. I had a great training cycle. Um, but the inflammation was twice what it was for the Philly marathon. The, the, uh, testosterone dropped twice as much and uh, liver enzymes were super elevated as well, which we also see um, post post uh, hard workout or hard race. So I took that to say like, okay, absolutely not. I ended up taking 21 days off of exercise entirely um, and waited for, for those values to restore. Whereas a lot of people would, would take a, a poor race result and turn around and go race again. And when you do something like that, you're already in the hole. And I, I had the data to show that I was in the hole. 
So I can only imagine how much worse I would have been for the rest of 2017 had I done another, you know, punishing or, or hard race. Um, what's interesting is after the 50K, the, it was just like I had done a long run. Like it, it wasn't, um, the data wasn't that bad. Um, and I felt great. I ran three days later, four days later and, and felt fine. Uh, part of that was cause it was like, we, it was basically like a fun run, but it was a seven hour fun run, which is not a short amount of time. It was, <laughs> it was, I was like expecting to see, um, some changes, but we averaged a 13 and a half minute pace with, but, but there was 7,000 feet of climbing. Um, so at altitude, the average, uh, the average, uh, we were at like a 7,600 foot average for the, for the race. Um, so it's cool to be able to compare stuff like that and, and help steer decisions on recovery time based on, uh, based on how, how this objective data looks. That is very interesting. So do you recommend if someone that is an inside tracker customer um, does a test a few days after or some period after one of these larger events or let's say CrossFit competitions or something like that so that we can figure out how long we should recover? Yeah, totally. So uh, our high performance plan is great for that. It's half the price of Ultimate, which is the most popular, most comprehensive option. And it tests all those values that that we want to catch in that window and then gives you guidance on, on what to do to help with recovery. So we, there was a paper that was published in the journal of strength and conditioning titled biomarkers in sport. And it identified four to six different key points in the season of when blood testing is valuable. And so after, uh, during a peak week or after, an acute event so a race a competition something like that are two of those key points where you can understand okay am i doing too much or did i leave it all out there or can i you know do i not need to treat this like the only race of the year or the only competition of the year and i can get i can recover and get back into it so the cool thing is when you have baseline data from the beginning of a season or something like that, you can compare that deviation from uh, what your body looks like in a more rested state. And so, so you can see like my testosterone value was not, was not that bad, all things considered, but knowing that it was, it was like, like 450, which is, um, it's not optimal, but it's, it's still in the normal range. But like I run high for whatever reason, um, must be all the sleep. Um, and, and so on its own, that 450 wouldn't have been that bad. I think the number was 450, but anyway, the, the number wouldn't have been that bad, but knowing that it, it dropped from call it 11 something, um, I knew that that was a, a huge, uh, huge swing. So if you just do it, for the first time post event it's it's interesting but but not very conclusive but if you have something to compare it to when you're when you're not completely trashed that's when it becomes super valuable so if you're going to take an athlete that is a high performance athlete meaning that you know their life is kind of designed around these 
training and events. Yep. Is there an optimal um, test sequence for that particular athlete that you put them on? Like, you know, do the ultimate test when you're kind of like before you're starting to get a baseline and get everything and then do, you know, these performance tests um, leading in and then after? What do you tell people? Yeah, that's that's pretty much perfect. The benefit of the high performance plan is that you don't need to fast for it. So you can do it when you're in a higher training period and like eat breakfast and then go in and do the test. Um, a lot of athletes find it difficult to fast for 12 hours and go somewhere without eating breakfast, <laughs> uh, myself included. So it's um, it helps with that. But yeah, the, the ideal uh, cost efficiency standpoint is baseline mid-season, off-season or end-of-season um, or, or after an event. Um, if you're, if you're targeting, let's say you're targeting a marathon and you're doing a 12 to 14 or 16 week training program, you do it week zero. So like before you start, you could do it week 10 before it gets hard. And then you can do it after your race, after you've recovered like 10 to 14 days post race. So when you're starting to get back into it again, okay. From a CrossFit standpoint, let's say you're 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 getting that January baseline, you test again, call it April, May, June time frame. And then some some athletes, we work with a lot of, of the games athletes, and so a lot of them will test like a week out from the games. You can't really make changes uh that year, but you can use that to understand um how your body impact took took that volume um or you can do it you know three days after and we've we've seen some fascinating data from athletes testing three days after the games after you know trashing yourself for for a couple days in a row very cool very cool um any technologies other than inside tracker that you love i love strava um i use strava a lot um other technologies on top of that um i i use a um uh an app called i forget what it's called um it's a um it's a sleep it's a sleep it's called sleep cycle and it um it's an app on your iphone it's really creepy actually it listens to your breathing at night <laughs> and evaluates sleep quality um, and then in the morning you input like what you did the day prior and it starts, uh, with some trend analysis around the things that you do that contribute to better sleep quality. So like, I know that taking magnesium actually does improve my sleep quality. I know that taking vitamin D actually improves my sleep quality. Um, I know that, that having alcohol, one glass of wine before bed does not have a substantial impact on my sleep quality. So like I do those things. Um, I know that three glasses of alcohol for sure Im impacts my sleep quality. So I, I don't do that on a regular basis. So that's really the only other piece of technology that I use um, consistently, I want to say. Um, I mean, I use a Garmin watch. I like that um for the the tracking you know, resting heart rate and and things like that i've i've measured hrv consistently in the past um but it became a nuisance to like put it on my finger every day and and test that 
And it pretty much always, basically how I felt, pretty much always matched what the data was showing. So sometimes I would throw in an extra rest day or an extra easy day as a result of that. But like, I've gotten to know my body well enough that like, I don't need, I don't need uh, an app to tell me to take a day off. Um, (laughs) Many people do. And I, I used to for sure. Uh, so it was great at the time, but now I'm I'm much more trigger happy on on taking a rest day. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know I was one of those people definitely needed an app to tell me to take a rest day. Yeah, person to, to tell me to take a rest day. Isn't that funny? It's like sleep in. No, I want to wake up and train. Yeah, <laughs> man. I don't know. You just get like this. There's something about training hard that I don't even know what it is. If it's hormonal or or what's going on but there's something going on there or it's just you know stupid yeah i don't know but um anyway man this has been fun i don't want to take up any more of your your day here because i know that you got to get back to work but uh i have loved this and let's share your um what you're doing like how people can find you how they can you know subscribe to the podcast social media all that stuff one more time yeah so jw levitt uh, J-W-L-E-V-I-T-T on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the For the Long Run podcast is For the L-R pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. And it's also on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, you know, all those, all that good stuff. Um, and if you, uh, if you tune in, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, guys. And I will be sharing all of those links. If you're driving around listening, listening to this and can't get to them, um, just remember 187. So it'll be at allaroundjoe.com slash 187. And I'll have all of Jonathan's links that you can, you can get to following him, which I highly recommend it. I'm not just, not just blowing smoke at you. This <laughs> some good stuff here. So, um, Jonathan, appreciate, it. appreciate you, man. Um, thanks for being on the show. And if likewise, you're, thanks. You're thanks for all you do. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. Hey, guys. That was my interview with Jonathan Levitt of Inside Tracker and for the Long Run Podcast, which I highly recommend that you all follow, subscribe. When you like it, give it a five-star review because that totally helps us podcasters out a ton. Um, and you should definitely follow Jonathan on Twitter and Instagram or you know whichever one of those platforms that you use. He is really good at the social media stuff to the point where you could hire him as your social media guy and he would crush it. So follow him up. If you are driving right now, like I mentioned on the show, you can go to allaroundjoe.com slash 187. Remember 187. And I have all of the links for all of Jonathan's stuff, ventures, coolness on my website there. All right. So that was allaroundjoe.com slash 187. This podcast, remember, is brought to you by the Get Better Project, which is your high-end solution for at-home workouts. If you have a full gym or you have no gym and you're just going to roll out of bed and do a workout next to your bed in your bedroom. So head over to thegetbetterproject.com and click on programs and you'll see a couple programs we have offer for you, whether you need full nutrition help or just the workouts. We got you covered. Let me know if you have any questions on that. 
And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We love it if you subscribe for free because it is totally free. And give us a review because every five-star review that we get helps us to launch ourselves up the iTunes or Apple podcast board and get us more listeners so we can impact more people's lives. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. The All Around Joe Podcast. We optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-proven junkie. I will see you on the next podcast.